listeners, welcome back to ITS Podcast. This is episode 75, July 2023. I'm Mariam Kavishka from Ahmedabad University, India. As the northern hemisphere is facing hottest temperatures from the blazing sun, you're presenting an interview from an inventor, researcher, and a successful entrepreneur from India. Today, we are going to have a talk about the challenges that Swayam Robotics has faced running their autonomous systems in Indian roads. Mrs. Sanjeev Sharma, the CEO and founder of Swayat Robot and Deep Eigen. Our interview will be played after the book review by Professor Haluk Aaron. In this episode, Haluk is reviewing a book, Applications of Machine Learning and Data Analysis Models in Maritime Transportation. This book is written by Rang Yan and Shang Wan. I leave you with Haluk and his points on this publication. This is the book review section for ITS podcast, read by Dr. Haluk Eren, Fırat University, Elazığ, Turkey. The book title is Port Automation and Vehicle Scheduling, Advanced Algorithms for Scheduling Problems of AGVs, and consists of 304 pages, published by CRC Press in 2022, written by Hassan Rashidi and Edward Sang. In recent years, Integrated management of equipment in automated container terminals has become more necessary and has attracted more attention. There are more than 2,000 ports over the world. These ports play an important role in global manufacturing and international business. There are two main objectives in this book. The first one is to study optimization problems in container terminals. The second one is dedicated to developing advanced algorithms for the scheduling problem of automated guided vehicles, AGVs in ports. This book is divided into two major parts. The optimization problems faced by today's modern container terminals and the advanced algorithms to tackle the scheduling of automated guided vehicles. The cargo ships can be classified into two types. The first type transports huge quantities of commodities like crude oil, coal or grain. The second type usually carries goods packed into steel containers of standard sizes. Part 1 of this book concentrates on the second type, which attracted more attention in both investment and automation during the last decade. In the past few decades, much research has been devoted to the technology of AGV systems, both in hardware and software. Nowadays, they have become popular over the world for automatic material handling and flexible manufacturing systems. These unmanned vehicles are also becoming the common model of container transport in the seaport. Part 2 of this book is therefore dedicated to the advanced algorithms tackling the scheduling problem of AGVs. This book consists of 12 chapters. Chapter 1 provides an introduction. Chapter 2 describes problems and decisions to be made in container terminals. Chapter 3 reviews literature dealing with research done in container terminals and formulates the decisions. Chapter 4 addresses three main issues associated with providing practical software for the decisions. Chapter 5 focuses on one of the most important problems in the ports and then formulates it, 
Define a scheduling problem for robotic vehicles in container terminals. Chapter 6 applies the standard NSA to the scheduling problem of AGVs in a static aspect. Here, experimental results are collected from the efficient implementation of NSA. Chapter 7 presents a novel version of NSA, which is called the Network Simplex Plus algorithm. Chapter 8 extends the NSA in the dynamic aspect which is applied to the dynamic scheduling problem of AGVs in container terminals and their results are compared. Chapter 9 presents a gradient algorithm, GVS, to complement the solutions, to evaluate the relative strengths and weaknesses of GVS and NSA+. A few comparisons are performed in this chapter. Chapter 10 models the scheduling multi-load and heterogeneous AGVs problem in container terminals. Chapter 11 focuses on integrated management of equipment in automated container terminals with the aim of increasing efficiency and effectiveness of the resources. Because the integrated problem in container terminals falls into NP-hard problems, it was divided into two sub-problems allocating resources to containers and arranging the containers serviced by AGVs. Sorting kinetic algorithm is deployed for the solution. To determine the appropriate values of the parameters, Minitab software and Taguchi method are employed. The results are compared with the particle swarm optimization algorithm. Chapter 12 provides a comparative summary of the algorithms for the scheduling problem of AGVs. Since container terminals have an important role in globalization and international trade, several suggestions for further research are provided at the end of the chapter. This book is a scientific report of a very solid piece of research. It is useful for port authorities and researchers, including specialists and graduate students in operation research interested in port automation and vehicle scheduling with automated guided vehicles. This was Professor Haluk Iran from Firat University, Turkey. Thank you, Haluk. Now please grab your coffee and see or listen how researchers are dealing with all the unpredictive parameters of traffic in congested and heterogeneous traffic scenarios in India. Dear listeners, today we have Mr. Sanjeev Sharma with us uh, as our special guest. Uh, Sanjeev is the CEO and uh, founder of Swayat Robot and uh, Deep Eigen, focusing on autonomous uh, driving and education, respectively. At Swayat, he is uh, researching and developing autonomous driving technology that works in highly stochastic traffic dynamics, both on and off-road, and uh, testing it on Indian roads and highways. He got his BTEC from IIT Roorkee and his master's from the University of Alberta in 2014. He was even admitted to fall 2014 computer science PhD program at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. In 2015, after obtaining a one-year deferral, he changes his focus from the PhD offer and starts a full-time with Swayat Robots. 
In 2017, he audited multi-agent reinforcement learning-based framework to enable autonomous navigation through roads in India. These were first ever such demos on Indian roads and the first ever successful demo of reinforcement learning for autonomous driving. Sanjeev is a researcher and works on CS mathematical problems, motion planning, and reinforcement learning. Thank you, Sanjeev, for being with us. I introduce you briefly, and I would like to know if you want to add something to that. Uh, thank you, thank you so much, uh, Mariam, for the for the kind introduction. That was pretty holistic introduction as well. So I wouldn't have any for anything further to add to that introduction. I have my first question. What's the meaning of Swayat? So Swayat is a Sanskrit word which means autonomous in English. Autonomous. Yes. That's interesting. So at least it translates to autonomous robots. Beautiful. Thank you so much. So Sanjeev, whenever we want to show the chaotic scenario of traffic, we usually can see Indian roads in picture. You are working on a project that uh, might seem like a far future, if not an unreachable star for some of our researchers. What motivates you in this road? So actually, I got motivated when I was uh, in my undergrad. So when I entered for semester of my undergrad, uh, that's January 2009. So um, I, I was doing B-Tech electrical engineering at the point in time at Indian Institute of Technology, Rookie. So the the videos by the uh, by the teams at the Darfur Urban and Grand Challenges, those videos were my inspiration to you know take on autonomous driving as one of the lifelong kind of project and. Uh, solving autonomous driving in world's most difficult traffic and environmental scenarios became my goal at that point in time and all my studies thereafter had like i had done like a lot of independent study even during the undergrad so since it became my goal i had fixated my uh, research focus uh, towards motion planning and decision making and naturally it came down to reinforcement learning and other branches of computer science and machine learning so that was the inspiration. And now that uh, I've been working on this problem, uh, you know, for quite some time, full time since 2014, uh, like I, I, I want to solve tough problems and autonomous driving is very challenging. It's also very mathematical in nature. So that's what uh, drives the motivation to keep on pushing the research and the technology frontiers forward. Beautiful. Thank you so much. In one of your uh, videos, uh, you presented your vehicle uh, on an off-road terrain. Uh, it was navigating its way through very uh, the road and very swiftly. Can you tell us uh, about this work? What are the challenges in country area versus the situation in urban environment? Sure. So there are some of the problems uh, that we are solving that I think like will become like prominent in near future. Uh, to, to discuss off-autonomous driving, I think we can go back like a uh, few years. Uh, we can go back a few years. Uh, I mean, uh, autonomous driving, if you look into the US and the, in, in the European context, uh, every company has adopted the model autonomous driving that requires high-definition maps of the environment, and the vehicle has to pinpoint localize against those high-definition or high-fluidity maps of the environment. Some of these startups are there, like, for example, Wave in the UK, and there are some startups in the US and, 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 and Israel as well, but are challenging this paradigm of autonomous driving because it hinders the scalability of autonomous driving. Similarly, if you look into on-road autonomous driving, coming to the off-road experiment that you're talking about, so uh, the longer-term objective is uh, for us is to embed the intelligence in the planning algorithm itself. So the, the, the demo that you're seeing is an application of reinforcement learning applied to off-road autonomous driving. Their longer term objective is to eliminate the need of individual 
perception or localization uh, algorithms and have uh, the, the, the autonomous vehicle have the ability to end-to-end -end perceive what the delimiters of the road, uh, what obstacles are to, to, to understand by looking at the, at the sensei data to have this contextual understanding what is road, what is bounded without explicitly uh, detecting the delimiters or obstacles for that matter. Although in that video, uh, as you can see, like we are detecting obstacles, so we are in explicit uh, obstacle detection algorithm, and to some degree, we are using stochastic projections as well uh, to you know to roughly know uh, sort of what the delimiters are, and then there are like various deep learning uh, processes that are telling the vehicle like what like what's the physical limit of the road or the or the, or the boundaries of the road are. Uh, but uh, but most importantly, that demo was the demo of a capability of planning uh, of online planning. Uh, on the motion plane decision making for autonomous vehicle uh, using as less algorithms as possible. When this technology is scaled up for, for, for on autonomous driving, I think one day we'd be able to uh, develop this technology stack that wouldn't require uh, or, or would at least make redundant to certain degree various algorithms that present challenge when you try to scale up autonomous driving. Uh, let me take an example of on-road versus off-road. So on road autonomous driving, you can build high definition or high fidelity maps. Mm -hmm. Off road is very hard to do, right? Uh, then like because off roads are very generalized environment. There's no rule. You, 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 all the mathematical assumptions that you might make on road will fail off road. So that presents a very different set of challenges. On road, you can detect lane uh, boundaries. You can detect road boundaries, and to some to certain degree, you can also predict what the moment you know. What's the drivable area? What are the delimiters? You can, to a certain degree, also sort of assume in whatever prediction algorithms you might be running to know like what the behavior or the option to be. Off-road, that changes completely. So the off-road testing that we are doing is a limit of autonomous driving. We're trying to push, push some of the frontiers forward. And when those like when those algorithmic pipelines that we're developing, when they are ready, I think we'd be able to scale up level five autonomous driving much more quickly, much more rapidly. On road, so that's the, that's the reason like why we are sort of like doing off road on Australia at this point. In time. Yes. Uh, one question: uh, What is the type of the vehicle? Are you using a manual transmission or it was automatic? So it is a manual transmission vehicle. We are using uh, one of the SUVs manufactured by the company known as Mahindra in India. So we have installed our own custom electromechanical system in the vehicle to actuate various actuators in the vehicle, including like we, are, we have installed our own like wheel encoders to take the odometry data uh, from the vehicle. So it, the vehicle does not have any ECU. It does not have any CAN interface. It's entirely raw mechanical vehicle that we have automated. Which, which actually makes it more challenging. Much more challenging compared to having an automated transmission vehicle as well as compared to an EV. For example, in, in case you want to have the like very less was very precise speed control of an EV, you can give directly the motor commands mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and the system will, will take care of the rest. In this vehicle, everything is a stochastic. So we are not just dealing with the stochasticity outside the vehicle. We are also dealing with the stochasticity inside the vehicle. But at the same time, this presents very different um, sort of challenges. And the moment you are able to overcome those challenges, like for example, when we were unfunded, we again had a very raw, uh, similar kind of a, and at that point in time, there was a lag between like, if you if you turn the steering wheel, its effect would be propagated in the tires after 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 a few milliseconds lag. Mm -hmm. And this was a huge problem for us, right? 
the way we solved it is by math is is by modeling this problem mathematically and having a reinforcement learning controller that anticipates what the uh, what this action might result what the effect of the action would be so many and and now now the question might be like okay fine but like how do we use it further right so some of the control uh, algorithms that we had developed as a part of dealing with the kind of challenges that no one deals with we are able to now incorporate those algorithms into solving the robust control problem over here in our vehicle so so you are changing the gear also or you uh, or the vehicle drives on a specific gear uh, so so for for now we don't automate the gear because that would require us installing a manipulator in the vehicle so if you see in any of our demos like we put the vehicle in a gear suppose if you want to do high speed demo we'll put the vehicle in the third gear Fair if enough. you want to do low speed demo we'll put the vehicle in the second gear i understand yes yes that's very interesting so you you have a good uh, number of colleagues from mechanical engineering i believe in your team yes we have we we uh, we, uh, we have a great team and uh, uh, as you can see like i mean we have automated this raw mechanical vehicle mm -hmm. and uh, It, it it's it's also like we we currently are pushing uh, now no, no, we are going to install a system in an automatic transmission vehicle as well but having done it in a raw mechanical vehicle yes. uh, you know gives us some insights into developing some of the robust control algorithms i think that will help us you know uh, do much more like robust autonomous driving going forward in the future absolutely yes you are right so uh, you have recently been uh, investigating manifold alignment techniques to automate the high fidelity maps generating tasks sure. uh, can you tell us what is it and how it differs from what is traditionally used so traditionally to build a, a to build the high definition maps of the environment you have to have like you can run any slam algorithm for that matter on the point cloud data or the sensor data the, the the fuse data that you receive from autonomous vehicle so once you have this raw map built i mean uh, then the question comes how do you build the high fidelity layer like how high fidelity feature layer so the process at least as of now as as the industry industry practice goes the process is not automated uh you require human labels if you look at any mapping company for that matter like be it in europe or us like uh, i mean I, i cannot name them uh, at, at least in in this in this podcast in this podcast or not but if you, if if you, if you are following the uh, the uh, uh, the the um, the mapping companies the entire process is kind of a like human labeling process where you have to identify what the delimiters are you have to identify what the lane markers are various and this goes for both salient and non salient delimiters and there are n, n, n number of delimiters that you can identify in the high fidelity map so this process is 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 very time consuming it's also like financially um, sort of um, uh, uh, a sort of financially very challenging process i mean if you try to scale it up and that is the reason why autonomous vehicle companies are clustered into certain cities or or in certain states or in certain countries mm -hmm. they're not able to scale up rapidly so we want to automate uh the process of high fidelity map generation as well and this is where like manifold alignment uh, comes to picture uh, also just uh, wanted to add one thing the manifold alignment thing i that i shared over the email uh, that was like i just like describing my background but some of the research that we're doing is a bit confidential over here so i would not talk about that but roughly giving an idea like what we're trying to do so we are trying to map one area 
and trying to see how that map propagates to any unknown an unknown area or unknown environment. So for example, let's suppose you have a high fidelity map built for one campus, and now you want to generalize it for n number of campuses. So now you can, there are there are various processes, machine learning, or you know uh, you can use like various alignment process from mathematical optimization. I mean uh, the, the kind of algorithms that we run for map generation, like for example the, the, the ICP that matches uh, you know two different point clouds and give the transformation matrices. You can use certain tricks and techniques in the mathematical literature to actually uh, you know translate one environment to another. But we are exploring a very generalized AI approach using some of the tricks from math, uh, from manifold alignment to see like if we can construct some model environments with high fidelity maps can we generalize those model environment for any unknown environment for that matter so let's suppose if you call us uh, to do a demo for example in your campus right and let's suppose if our model is based on high fidelity map and this is where where i discussed that our generalized transforming model is independent of high fidelity maps because that creates a bottleneck for rapidly scale up uh, for rapidly scaling of the transforming technology so but in the context of last mile autonomy uh, in the last mile autonomy you are constrained to use the high fidelity maps so in those cases can we quickly rapidly like uh, transform one map into another map and this is where the manifold alignment research comes in picture. Very interesting. I hope you didn't reveal any uh, secret, but that's okay. Thank you so much for explaining what is the whole idea about. So uh, you are a researcher in this field and uh, it's uh, actually following the discussion that we just had. What do you think are the major challenges in bringing this technology to more heterogeneous, dynamic and complicated scenarios of roads like South Asian roads, like Indian? Sure. Uh, so I think if you if you if you look at the trend of autonomous driving, most of the investment has gone into perfecting the perception and the localization algorithmic pipelines. So perception, uh, so perception, perception algorithms are the ones that process the visual sensory data for autonomous vehicle and build perhaps the 3D representation of the world around the vehicle. Uh, localization algorithms localize a vehicle against pre-computed high fidelity or high definition maps of the environment. Uh, but if you look at how the planning is done in the industry, it's very rudimentary. I mean, if you look at uh, the demo from any uh, company for that matter, uh, they use like regular, I mean, kind of dynamic A star or, or simplistic or, or maybe expanded version, extended version of those algorithms. And usually like the, 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 the way planning is done is something is coming in front of the vehicle, the vehicle stops base for the pedestrian to move aside or for the gap to clear, but the, but the autonomous vehicles are not uh, capable of taking decisions like the human beings do. Mm -hmm. like you, can you like navigate through like tight, uh, noisy or chaotic environments? So these are some of the very, uh, for example, like in, in the similar context, I mean, uh, if, if you're talking the Indian context or the, South, uh, or the South Asian context, I mean, oftentimes in India, there are single lane roads with bi-directional traffic. And if you look into the current paradigm of autonomous driving, there's no company at this point in time that has demoed the capability of this bi-directional negotiation on a single lane road. So we may ask question like, okay, what is level four, level five autonomy, right? Are we saying, okay, only when the when, when the roads are like four lane roads or two lane roads on, and, and you have a clear way to navigate. And if you can remove the steering wheel and clutch and brake and accelerator, only only then are you are you saying that it's a level five? Fine. We can generalize that, like we, we can talk about what is the definition of level five. But to my not to to, to 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 my belief, I think only when the vehicles have certain capabilities like being able to negotiate stochastic traffic through single lane road at high speeds, being able to negotiate bi-directional traffic, 
on a single lane road you might have driven your vehicle or maybe someone would have driven your vehicle for you in india and you you notice like often times on single lane road when the truck comes from the or bigger larger vehicle comes from the other end your vehicle has to go off road and that to at high speed certain point time having this ability inducing this ability this can be induced in one of the most rudimentary fashions as well and this can be induced in in, in one of the most sophisticated fashions as well so we are like questioning okay fine i mean this is a this is this is how the human drives in certain uh, roads and environment can we build algorithmic frameworks that allow autonomous vehicle to navigate in that fashion and that is where we are as you asked the question like why we are going off roads to be able to solve the bidirectional negotiation at high speeds on a uh, on, on on a single lane road the vehicle will have to cross the well paved road and move off roads so this is where again the off road armstrong research that we are doing it will play a major role over there mm-hmm. furthermore uh, to to further scale it up from uh, from now now coming to what we are doing so we are what we are trying let me ask like let me put a very different scenario right you want to drive at maybe 80 km per hour on off road or a single lane road with adjacent off adjacent like kind of patchy kind of a road uh, that is bumpy as well and uh, can you on the fly build a terrain map of the road ahead i mean yes we can if we have enough computer power but, but but that's where the challenge comes and you cannot put like supercomputer inside the vehicle you have very limited compute power so any algorithm any 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 technology pipeline that relies on having very clearly identified delimiters or identifying the terrain map on the fly is going we can yes we can do few demos but it's going to be very very hard to scale it up because then you would to make it safer you would have to build such maps or any kind of road or or or, or, or traffic scenario imaginable so that's where we are taking reinforcement learning approach to solve this problem so what we are saying is it fine i mean we understand you cannot do this terrain mapping on the fly but can we have this intelligence embedded directly into the decision making in the motion planning algorithmic framework mm-hmm. so what others are doing they are perfecting their per, uh, their perception pipeline the localization pipeline and then doing rudimentary motion planning decision making there are certain startups that are challenging this this paradigm as i mentioned earlier as well so we have been one of the very first startups that actually went into not just reinforcement learning but multi agent reinforcement and showed that it can actually work it can make a vehicle work in a fashion in kind of environments where no other vehicle has driven before so uh, like uh, have, I, have i gone too much deep into this or like is this is this question like uh, is this answer like okay no no it's just fine it's absolutely fine yes yes sure so this is where to solve certain problems so there are individual blocks of problems that we are solving and those individual blocks when they are merged together and scaled up that's when we think the level 4 and level 5 autonomous driving will actually happen mm-hmm. so to solve the single lane bidirectional negotiation problem we are actually using uh, what we call in uh, not just reinforcement but inverse reinforcement learning as well where we are also incorporating the apprenticeship learning taking the taking the expert demonstrations from human drivers also into account so these are certain approaches uh, that we're taking and hopefully like one of the one of the models that we are going to show in few months timeline is we will remove uh, any explicit detection algorithm we won't have road detection algorithm we won't have lane detection algorithm we won't have obstacle detection algorithm as well and the vehicle would be navigating at near drift speeds off road and once this is done then we will take it forward and deploy it on a single lane road scenario that we have just spoken about 
that the vehicle will be having a single lane route. They are on single lane route because now it's it's a structure route. We'll be having some of the perception algorithms, but but most of the algorithms that are going to take care of the negotiation part for autonomous vehicle, mm -hmm. that intelligence is going to come from off-road, and those algorithms wouldn't be using any explicit uh, sort of uh, detection or any explicit like deemed detection uh, sort of uh, algorithm inside it. That that's very interesting. So we will be all following you, uh, waiting for updates and new videos about this. So uh, right now, so you mentioned the highest speed and uh, in one of your papers, uh, you discussed the obstacle avoidance in higher speed. Uh, what is what was the main challenge? Sure, so I think you're talking about uh, our paper, Online Obstacle Avoidance at High Speeds, yes. which was published in IGRR. So I was uh, I was working under Professor Zvi Schiller at that point in time. I was a research assistant to Professor Zvi Schiller who uh, is currently with Ariel University. So I, I, I was there, I did the research in 2000, 2011 to 2012. Mm -hmm. So it's like 10 years back in time roughly, but the challenges were at that point in time, if you look into the uh, motion planning paradigm, at the, there are like uh, various paradigms for motion planning. For example, there are local passive methods uh, and some of the researchers like Alonzo Kelly and some of, some of his postdoc and PhD students like Ross Nepper work on these framework and extended local passive methods, which was also used by the uh, by the CMU uh, team in their DARPA uh, urban challenge. Uh, then there is like uh, probabilistic roadmaps and then then there are like sampling based methods like the probabilistic roadmaps and the RRT that are heavily used you know uh, in, in 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 academia as well as in industry to do to do online motion path plan for autonomous vehicles. and some of the researchers working on there are like Emilio Frizzoli and Sertek Karman who wrote their first paper on RRT star but then there are uh, mathematical optimization based uh, you know techniques for motion planning but one of the challenges was was that like all these algorithms if you look at sampling like if we we compared our reserve with the RRT star and some of the other algorithmic frameworks and what we found was that uh, for uh, we allocated like certain compute time to the algorithm. What we found, although RRT star is an asymptotically optimal algorithm, right? Asymptotically, like if you give if you, if you give give it enough time budget, it will find the optimal trajectory, and you can incorporate any kind of dynamic or kinodynamic constraint for that matter into the RRT star. So it is as asymptotically optimal. But the problem is like it. Uh, over, like it, it's much slower as well, right? And although it's any time variant, any time variant algorithms are the ones that can, for example, if you have regular A star algorithm, like with a graph such algorithm, it's not any time variant. So any time variant are the algorithms that can reuse the computations from the previous time steps. So RRT in that in that fashion is an any time algorithm as well. So uh, we were working on an algorithm that allows high speed online motion planning uh, in very dense sort of obstacle kind of scenario. So online, uh, I have to go a bit deeper into this because this question is 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 is, is very deep uh, as well. So there are global motion planners and there are local motion planners. And in local motion planner, you can have both offline as well as online motion planner. Global motion planners are always offline. I mean, before the robot navigates, you have pre-computed trajectory for the robot to navigate. Online motion planner, everything, every computation, like uh, every every time step that the, the computation happens for the robot as to how it has to move. So online motion planning taking into account the dynamics constraints of, of uh, typically non-holonomic constraints of the of, of, of the of the robot or the vehicle where you are uh, deploying it, uh, taking uh, do, performing this and ensuring the safety of the robot is still an open problem in the motion planning literature. So the question is like how, how like at, at what speed can you navigate 
online. So there is also concept known as ICS, inevitable collision state. So often the, 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 the limitation of the online motion planning algorithms that take into account the non-holonomic constraints of, 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 of the robotic system to come is that they can get stuck into the ICS. And once you're in ICS, you, you, cannot, you cannot avoid collision. So our paper through, uh, in, in our paper, we constructed like heuristic, uh, it's, it's based on the minimization of what we call Hamilton, Jacobi, Bellman equation. So uh, minimizing that is like again challenging because the problem typically turns out to be exponential. I mean, in the number of obstacles, so that's very hard. And we, if you look at our paper, we use around like 72 obstacles, you know, in 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 in, in, uh, in our simulations. So we developed a heuristic that allowed to certain extent, although that algorithm after it came back from Israel, I had modified it significantly. But even at that point in time, we showed that algorithm with the heuristic that we constructed was able to do online motion planning in heavily cluttered environments and also outperformed RRT and RRT star on three different metrics. One of those metrics was optimality in uh, with, with, the, with, the, with the constraint of the time budget that is allowed for the RRT star to plan. And there were two other metrics. It's 10 years ago, so I, I cannot remember those metrics. But if I go through that paper, I'd be able to recall those metrics as well. I will I will try to share the link with our listeners. They can go and take a look if they are interested to see what what were the challenges that you tackle. Definitely, definitely. Yes. So, uh, Sanjeev, there is one a question that uh, happens from many researchers. That's we have many students and researchers that they like to pursue this road. I mean, entrepreneurship. Uh, what do you suggest, uh, especially in our field in IV and ITS? How and from where they should start? So. To me, when we talk about IVs, intelligent vehicles, or robots uh, in general, or AI in general for that matter, I would say like uh, robotics to me is roughly applied mathematics. So when you're solving, let's suppose if you're developing, if you're solving a row robotic problem, you can restrict yourself to certain field of computer science. You can say, okay, fine, I want to focus on, on computer vision, I want to focus on machine learning, or perhaps like some of the branches, maybe motion planning or certain area. But when it comes to intelligent vehicle, uh, you know, in general, autonomous vehicle, if you're talking about on-road, there's no limit to the mathematics that you can bring from different areas and incorporate into your machine learning or deep learning model. If you look at like what is happening uh, present in the field of AI, uh, I mean, uh, if you go into the, any standard machine learning or standard textbook, you wouldn't find these ideas over there. These ideas are coming from some of the branches of like applied mathematics. So my suggestion would be if someone is trying, if someone wants to be a successful entrepreneur, and I'm assuming from a technical standpoint that the, the person would be able, would, would, would have keen interest in, in developing the technology as was co-founder company, then I think um, that they should get mathematical as quickly as possible. Usually the undergrad time, the, 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 the time when you are an undergrad student, that's the best time of your life to get as mathematical as possible. So in my case, like when I entered fourth semester of my undergrad, uh, between fourth and fifth semester, I actually, uh, it, it may sound like too much, but I actually read, uh, you know, several books that uh, typically form two semester course if you're doing a grad program in mathematics. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, I, I, I read like numerical optimization book by George Nosedal and Stephen J. Wright. Uh, this book, if you, if you look into it, it is usually two semester course at grad level in a math department. And I was able to do it in three months time. So there are certain things that I had done in my lifetime. I mean, when I was an undergrad, that made me very mathematical. And even and even today, like because like I'm running two startups, um, 
I cannot focus on reading books or research as much as I used to do. But that knowledge that I gained at that point in time, the, 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 the kind of you know opening of the you know some of the part of the brain that makes you very mathematical, that is helping me even today. Right? So I don't read as many research papers as I used to do earlier. And in fact, I feel I don't I don't need to like uh, because when you're starting up your video knowledge base, when you already have built certain knowledge base, you focus more on ideas, right? So I would say like get mathematical and if you're undergrad student, that's the best grade of your life to get mathematical. Even if you are like beyond your undergrad studies, I mean, there's nothing stopping you from getting mathematical. Yes, that, that, that's, a, that's a very good uh, message to our uh, math professors also to bring a little bit practical aspect to the math classes to show that where all these things will be used. Sure. I uh, just uh, didn't uh, say this in the introduction. Now I will add to that that uh, Sanjeev has received the 51 Most Impactful Smart Cities Leaders Award at the World uh, CSR Day by the Global Smart Cities so we know that India also uh, is uh, trying to uh, join this group, try to make the cities as smart as possible. And I would like to ask, as a researcher who is in industry, what should be the next focus for Indian researchers in IV and ITS? Sure. So uh, I think this field is expanding like very rapidly. Uh, if you... Uh, can I, can I get the question again? Like, what's the question? Of course. Uh, I want to know what do you think uh, that uh, researchers, they have to focus on to um, uh, push India towards smart cities. Sure. You, you so, discussed uh, right now, for example, uh, mapping. Or uh, what, what else do you think that they have to think about to make India more smart, the cities of India more smart? Sure. So if you look into the initiatives being taken by the government at large, and there's a huge funding also uh, being given to the education institutes to set up various centers. I mean, these are innovation centers, these are entrepreneurship centers. And there's also like, I mean, focusing on some of the problems that were like not focused on earlier in India. So I think this is the best time for researchers you know, to uh, in India to look what is happening in the field of robotics or IV or ITS, if we talk about, I mean, there's a lot of work going on, um, you know, in, in various fronts of AI. I mean, I mean, yes. not, not just like limited to, you know, theoretical computer science or, 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 or mathematics, but there are certain like, I mean, the way, uh, if, if you look into like various smart city centers being, uh, being developed in India, right? They're still focusing on certain problems, like how can we, uh, monitor traffic robustly or how we can detect traffic violations. So these are some, some of the certain problems uh, that have been solved in the West, If uh, sort of. I mean, there, there are many countries who have some such systems deployed. So I think like uh, we should focus more, uh, like we should focus both on algorithm as well as we should also focus on the efficiency in the scale up part as well. Like how do we take this research from the lab to directly being useful for various, you know, initiatives being taken by the government or by various sort of innovation centers at large. One of the things that I can think of, like or at various education institutes, at least in the context of robotic autonomous driving, even today, I mean, we don't have a specific test centers or specific benchmark centers when it comes to robotics or autonomous driving. In, in, in the US and the Canada, if you look into, I mean, there are certain government initiatives and including initiatives by the education institute to, to set up those centers. So I think like by having those, uh, you know, 
not just the labs, but having those centers that allow students or researchers, you know, to test out some of the ideas that require some such infrastructure. I think that would be a uh, that would be the best step to take forward. And I'm not saying that the, the, the education institutes are not taking those steps. If you look into the IT Delhi's innovation cell, if you look into IAC Bangalore's, uh, there's one program like they, they, they raised around $200 million uh, from the uh, from the Department of Science and Technology as well. So, so these in, in, initiatives are being taken. And uh, I hope that if we have some standardization process to test and also to look beyond, like, I mean, uh, just like, you know, publishing papers in certain conferences. I would say like the research should be more practical and should be related to the Indian context. I mean, if you look into the at large, most of the research being done, it's mostly like it's academic and it and, and it rests in the in, in the in the academic paradigm, but it never makes it to real life. So if if we want to push forward the frontiers of not just in in the robotics in the transferring or IBs, but in general, if we want to push the frontiers of, of science and technology forward in India, I think we'll have to take much, as you said, like much practical approach as well. As to the, the research that we are doing, what's the practical implication of the research? And is it actually solving the real world problem or not? For example, we can see the clear discrepancy being, um, you know, the research being done in foreign institute versus the research being done at top institutes in, 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 in India. Uh, research over there is directly applied. I mean, and, and if you look in the entire field of NLP or 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 or, or the uh, recent advances in NLP or recent advances in reinforcement learning or robotics or something, this research is coming like from somewhere else, and like uh, the labs and the and the countries of the world are implementing those research. So I think India can also be a major player into supplying that knowledge base. There's no dearth of, of good researchers over here. It just said like we should focus more on the practicality as well of the research or whatever funding we are raising, uh, you know, to conduct certain research. So this uh, is exactly what I was going to ask. Uh, where do you see Indian government and policies in this field? Uh, do you think that they will accept this uh, at least level four of autonomous driving? It's hard to comment at this point in time because if you look at, uh, it's not just a, so if you look into the various initiatives being taken by the government, I mean they are in 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 good direction, but how those policies are implemented, that's a very different question altogether, right? So the policy introduction and policy implementation are two different sort of uh, paradigms altogether. As far as autonomous driving is concerned, I think in India one of the major use cases of autonomous driving is in the defense sector, uh, because like we share one of the largest borders when it comes to and 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 that too with some of the hostile neighbors as well. Mm -hmm. So I think autonomous driving will have use case over there. But when it comes to general application autonomous driving, first of all, like before we talk about the introduction of autonomous driving in, in the Indian context, you also have to address a safety issue. Even if you look into the West today, I mean, the, the some of the very major players in autonomous driving, they're not able to ensure safety to an extent that is required to claim level four. To my knowledge, I don't think there is any company, at least as of now, who can claim a holistic level four solution. Right. You can remove drivers from autonomous vehicle, but then the question is, in what environments can those vehicles run without a driver? Right. And let's suppose if you are a pedestrian, you have an autonomous vehicle coming towards you. And if you keep on standing on the road, and the, and the autonomous vehicle does nothing. When we talk about level four, level five, we assume it is in those systems. Right. And when it comes to India, because there are different economically, the countries like very different. 
compared in if you look in the west i mean there are problems there's shortage of drivers and how much you pay and and the and the willingness of the people to take those roles as well. we are seeing a decline over there and as well as the, the, the cost is rising up and with the with the uh, this shortage i mean there's actually need of you know autonomous trucking autonomous delivery robots and vehicles even in the indian context i mean you will have to make autonomous vehicles that economical to be able to challenge you know uh, you know the, the the current established norms i mean this is where i mean when we began with our question of off road autonomous driving yes. I mean, this is where if 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 you can uh, so let's suppose if you want to uh, let's suppose general robotics not necessarily autonomous driving you want to drive you want to drive a robot autonomously in a campus the first thing that comes to mind okay we have to have the map of the campus we have to have a localization algorithm in the campus we have to have perhaps an obstacle detection algorithm to detect what is coming in front of the vehicle and maybe like few dealers detection algorithm which can identify the pavements where the vehicle where the robot can park and what the some some of the like uh, sort of um, you know uh, some some of the last minute autonomy challenges also you can introduce so you see how a simple modest robot that is just performing the task of navigating the campus how how quickly how complex the system becomes so there are computers or algorithms that are com- that are consuming huge amounts of power right so this is an operational cost and when you scale it up for autonomous driving uh, now you have huge maps of the environments and those maps uh, require like very like the, the autonomous vehicles require very precise regulation against those maps the competition that happens inside autonomous vehicle is 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 is, is so consuming uh, to for this pinpoint regulation is it cannot run in real time using onboard computers you have to have servers to compute so there's a huge operational cost as well and to this day i mean because of because because this is how uh, google had introduced autonomous driving and this is what everyone had has adopted autonomous driving there are certain challenges so this is where we went you know into autonomous driving uh, without requiring like high fidelity maps we wanted to kill the high fidelity map not for uh, to show the technological sort of advancements that we can make but to make autonomous vehicles more economical and the same goes for off road so what we are trying to do we are trying to switch up the number of algorithms that run autonomous vehicle what we are trying to understand fundamentally can autonomous vehicle look at the visual sensory data mm-hmm. and say i mean just just take the off road context into account mm-hmm. can the autonomous vehicle say this is the region of the road that i cannot cross right so it's a very fundamental problem like uh, the way it is being done right now is that we'll have four different algorithms predicting four different kinds of boundaries off roads but each of those algorithms even if you ignore the operation cost they will have the they will incur the cost of first building the model training the model for some poc and then scaling that model to run at large in a city or in a country so that's what we are trying and once we have achieved those parameters the safety the cost and the scalability i think that's when we would be like fully ready to do it honestly and i think it will definitely come to india maybe the timeline may be larger maybe 2030s or 2028 or 2031 but it will definitely come and when that happens like at least we are ready and hopefully like one day we would be able to you know contribute something into the in the policy cycles as well that's that's a, that's very interesting i also hope and uh, as you said uh, the whole infrastructure also uh, should start adapting itself to embracing this new technology sanjeev it was a pleasure uh, to have you as our special guest and 
I'm sure that our listeners have enjoyed listening to you and your ideas. If you would like to add anything to what we discussed. Like autonomous driving is 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 very challenging field. As of today, it's also matter. It's both from the scale-up point, from the technology point, from the matter. From it's very interesting as well as very challenging at the same time. And uh, I think like anyone who is listening to this podcast, uh, autonomous driving is still like I mean uh, this is the, the, the safety would be resolved in like few years time to come. And like there is certain like uh, there has to be there has to uh, have uh, like. Uh, we 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 have to have like uh, you know certain paradigm shift in the way uh, you know the uh, the current paradigm of machine learning and deep learning i don't think that is sufficient to solve the kind of autonomous driving that we imagine the level for autonomous driving so i think there is there there has to be a certain uh, in incorporation of the ideas from certain fields of mathematics um incorporating those ideas into current deep learning models or building a new paradigm only when that happens we can like achieve like true intelligence right if you like i can give one example like we were able to like a multi agent negotiation right is an exponential problem in the, in the number of obstacles that you have in the business autonomous vehicle right? so we were able to reduce that exponential time uh, you know significantly uh you know to certain polynomial time using certain tricks in applied mathematics specifically in the field of mathematical topology so you see like just 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 a small introduction of certain idea from the field of mathematics into the current paradigm of deep learning or deep deep reinforcing can significantly change the cost to take the technology to the market or or the energy consumption because because every computation that we do has an energy footprint so the moment you reduce the computation you're also minimizing the energy footprint so if we can do at least in one tiny problem if we talk about the generalized like uh, you know autonomous driving robotics or ai at large i mean if we can incorporate we can go into different branches of pure applied mathematics uh, and bring out some of the very critical ideas you know that are known to the researchers in those fields and bring into the into, into the theoretical computer science paradigm i think we uh, you know uh, as a, as a society would be able to achieve much more uh, than what we are doing at least as of today thank you thank you sanjeev and uh, i really hope that we will have you again as a special guest after your future videos <laughs> thank you thank you uh, thank you so much thanks so much mr thank you i would like to thank sanjeev for his time and the information that he shared with us We have included his website and contacts if you would like to reach out to him. Dear listeners, ITS Podcast is looking for volunteers to cover some stories or participate on their own terms. If you are interested to join us and being the voice of ITS or preparing some material, send us an email with a short resume. Dear listeners, we would like to hear back from you if you have any idea to add or any specific field of research to cover, write to us, let us know. Thank you for being with us. This was a podcast sponsored by IEEE Intelligent Transportation System Society and this was Dr. Mayank Kavishka from IEEE ITS Society, Ahmedabad University, India.